Beware, spoiler phobes, you've been hacked by a storm of spoilers. We'll be discussing Series 3 of the now Netflix show Black Mirror and how each episode either lived up to expectations for the series or didn't. The discussion will expand to include other episodes of Black Mirror from the previous two and a half series, so be aware some spoilers are abound. Just don't block us, please. Hello and welcome back to the Storm of Spoilers off-season tour. My name is Dave Gonzalez and my favorite piece of technology was my first non-linear editing system. It was called the Casablanca and it was great. I'm Joanna Robinson. My favorite piece of technology is actually my tablet. I won't brand it. Let's not give any branding credit anyway. My, my digital tablet because I use it to only read comics. That's the only reason I use it. So essentially it's a book that has a million books inside it and I love it. And I'm Neil Miller and I'm going to brand it, but uh, it's an older piece of technology. My favorite piece of technology was my black MacBook that I had years ago that was stolen out of my car, unfortunately. Oh no. And uh, lost episodes of, of uh, Film School Rejects podcast <laughs> went with it. So uh, that was my favorite thing of all time. It was, it was slick. And uh, we are, of course, of discussing technology because this week we are going to be, uh, I guess, delving into it and humanity's darker parts, discussing Black Mirror on Netflix. But first, we have our triangle of meta right at the top here. First, I acknowledge that this once was a Game of Thrones podcast that is now covering pop culture. And then I say, Joanna, how are reviews for this experiment? Hey, guess what? We have no new reviews this week. Oh, really? You, yep. you listeners, did, oh, I guess on, Halloween guys. was too soft for you, was it? <laughs> <sighs> All right, guys. Hey, guys well, that one's on. That one's on you. Let's 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 leave some iTunes reviews. So uh, Joanna has something to, to read right off the top there. I mean, come on. Yeah, she's so good we'll, at it. We'll we'll force her to bring the accents back if you guys need that as like a. Oh, will Karen. we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we? Okay. <laughs> oh, really? And and the other point on our triangle is, of course, Mr. Neil Miller, who keeps up, us updated on our ravens from uh, the land of Westeros. What's going on in Game of Thrones this week, Neil? Uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, there's really two topics I want to talk about. First, though, got to plug Con of Thrones again. Um conofthrones.com which is next year we're going to be there <clears throat> it's really you know all you need to know at this point uh <laughs> but a uh, couple of spoilery things first i want to talk about spoilers and then we're going to talk about uh, or i want to talk about like the concept of spoilers and right. then we're going to get into some production spoilers so you don't have to if you're sensitive to that, you do not have to fast forward to uh, our next segment quite yet, because I actually wanted to put this question out to you guys as to, at least to me, it feels like there's a lot more uh, hand-wringing or distress on the internet this year about spoilers and about uh, major publications uh, putting spoilers in their headlines, which I know is not something that uh, anyone on this podcast does on any major publications, but there are some out there that are doing it. And it's to the point where our um, good friends over at Entertainment Weekly have actually come out with an article that was just like, be careful what you read on the internet, which uh, 
interesting, I guess. Um, but I, I, I does it feel like there's more out there this year, or does it, or is, are we just seeing more people complaining about it? I, I think it's a couple things. I definitely think there is more out there this year because I was thinking about like what we actually physically saw on camera behind the scenes last year, and it was um, like the Tower of Joy got filmed, and. There, there was like what, like one or two other things. Oh, the battle, you know, mm-hmm. behind the scenes of the battle. So we knew about some details of the battle, though some we had wrong, and we knew um, the Tower of Joy was coming. But like we didn't know for sure that you know Sansa was going to be involved in the battle. Like there was a lot of stuff that we didn't know. Um, and I won't get into spoilers for this upcoming season, but there has been a lot of video and photography of huge, huge things that have been out there. And I'm not here on a spoiler podcast to be like, how dare they? But like, I can understand why fans are like, whoa, I didn't want to know that, you know? And I also think, um, major outlets are, realizing uh, every year after year how lucrative it is to post spoilers. I think um, last year was the first time we saw it really in intro, in, like in earnest from other sites. You know, of course I, I'm not, I'm not uh, sitting on a high horse about this. I've done it for years and years and years. So like, I don't, I'm not judging anyone, but I'm just saying that like, I think there are more ways in which Game of Thrones spoilers are getting out there as more sites see the click value of it. And more sites, I will get on my high horse about this, more sites are irresponsible about what they put in their headlines and what they put in their header photos. I really try like so hard to word a headline in a way that it won't spoil people. Uh, whereas like another site will just be like, so and so actor who you haven't seen in several seasons is on set. I'm just like, well, I mean, maybe someone <laughs> didn't want to know that. And so just like, just take the time to word it vaguely and give them a spoiler warning at the top and then let them decide for themselves what they see and what they don't see. Like, I just think that's fair. And, um, you know, like we give a spoiler warning at the top of this podcast, like, to put that information out there without a spoiler warning, I think is really kind of nasty to be honest with you. So what do you think? I agree. Um, you know, you can't knock the hustle. People got to get them clicks. Uh, but it is, uh, it's one thing that I think we have always, uh, found very common ground on in the way that we cover, uh, game of Thrones spoilers on our respective publications, which is, there's always it's funny because uh, I actually stole this from Joanna a long time ago. The idea of putting like a having like a spoiler gif to put in the middle of the article before the spoilers start. I use she uses a number of great uh, ones from all kinds of different Game of Thrones people. Uh, which which one's your favorite though? The Night's King one. Nice. I think. Because it looks like he's kind of shrugging. Like, <laughs> ah, spoilers. Ah, they're coming. <laughs> uh, I've used, I, ha- I used to have uh, Walter White Walker, which was this art yes. that somebody did where it's half Walter White, half half a White Walker. And then I also have, uh, you know, Oberyn, warning you of spoilers. But th- it's good to always kind of have that because there are people that, as we've discovered in our. Uh, Game of Thrones podcasting life that uh, that don't really want those production spoilers, which you know it's tough. Um, I think as long as you're trying to warn people, but I do think yeah, you're right. This year it, it seems to be a little bit more wild west uh, out there as far as like major publications publishing stuff. So um, uh, I think the the third element actually that's making people more more anxious is. You know, last season we were a lot off book, but, you know, the three of us would always argue there was still a lot that was from the books Mm -hmm. in the season. Next season is just even more off book or at least a book we haven't seen yet. And I know a lot of people, including like friend of the show, Brennan Blackfish, who's like, you know what? I'm out on spoilers this year. Like, no, no, he's not being like, you know pissy about it or anything like that he's just like you know what in the past i've been like yeah bring on all the spoilers because i know the books so i don't care and this year he's just made the decision not to and i i imagine that i mean i know from my point of view either due to competition like scurrilous competition that uses super spoilery headlines 
or due to people not wanting to know my spoiler, my Game of Thrones spoiler posts don't do as well as they used to. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so I just think it's a combination of that, a combination of more people doing it and less people wanting to know. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. Uh, so be careful out there, friends, friends of the pod and, uh, read the right people who will not lead you astray. Uh, and also, don't believe everything you read on the internet, according to Entertainment Weekly. Um, that, I mean, that Entertainment, that Entertainment <laughs> Weekly, I mean, like, you know, much love to them for their business model. But um, I think it's pretty clear. I, I, I'm trying to say this with as little rancor as possible. I think it's pretty clear that they are in the business of doing favors for HBO. And um, I think that um, HBO has asked them to write this and basically what their uh, game of Thrones author wrote was like, Hey, last year. And he was right. He's like last year when the actress who played Shay, uh, Sabelka Kelly visited set, they threw in a costume and people took photographs and they were confused. And that's true. We, we chased our tail all last year being like, but why is Shay there? Right. And, <laughs> is it and a that, dream? Yeah. And apparently that was them fucking with photographers. So I believe that they would do something like that. But I mean, uh, you know, to try to extend that logic to these extensive, like uh, no spoilers but extensive like beach let's say scenes like footage that we've seen um stairways footage that we've seen like you know that's that's preposterous that's not faked so you know it's true i'm sure that there are going to be a few faked things uh that come out but the bulk of what we've seen is just is some sneaky photographers in, in spain what's interesting to me can we get in can i say like an actual spoiler now yeah Spoiler warning. <laughs> spoiler warning. Spoiler warning within a spoiler warning. What's interesting to me is it almost seems like the cast has kind of given up. For example, over the weekend, like a couple Game of Thrones partying photos went up online. And there was a photo of Amelia Clark and Kit Harrington and uh, Natalie Emmanuel partying. And like those of us who are up on spoilers know that Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark are filming together, but like people who don't wouldn't and and mm-hmm. you know and i feel like in the past amelia clark would be like would not post a photo of herself with kit harrington because yeah. those would be under wraps but she's like well you know what that fucking footage is out everywhere so <laughs> you know what cat's out of the bag here's a cute photo of us out with the chemical brothers I you guess, know i guess that's the other question which is uh is the show is the production a little less little more lax this year because i don't i i do feel and i think we talked about this at the end of last season where it was like i don't know if they really have a whole lot to hide this year like the john snow thing like there is there isn't a big cliffhanger and there are some things that we assume would happen at some point that we're see like the 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 you know john snow and daenerys meeting i mean that has to happen at some point uh, unless one of them were to get killed, which we don't really see reason uh, in, at least in the next season. So, uh, for those of us who've been following it, I, I don't. I feel like maybe the show is not as concerned, uh, or it's a cyclical thing, like you just just described, where it's the stuff's out there. So now they're just like, nah, it doesn't matter. We'll just post some pictures of us partying because we're we're fun, we're friends, we're enjoying the last two years of this thing. Yeah, I, you know. I, I would have to say it's almost a relief <laughs> for them. I would imagine you know? for Kit Harrington at least. Yeah. So <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, Kit Harrington's like, please don't make me do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I had to lie to everyone for a year. Let me just go out with Amelia Clark and live my life. Uh, right. So yeah. Cool. Uh, okay. So speaking of actual spoilers, I do have one, and this is one that was pointed out to us uh, today on Twitter in a way that was that of saying Dave's going to be really excited about this. Ooh. There is a report uh, uh, from Watchers on the Wall in which sources said that uh, Mark Gaddis will be returning yes. to the show as Tycho Nestoris, and he will be making a trip to King's Landing to talk to Cersei about the Crown's debts. Yeah, that's right. Got to settle those debts. Can't just plant that egg and then leave it there for the entire series. Got to wrap it up. Uh, and the report from from watchers who uh, have been uh, both very... They've been restrained 
to uh, in in a lot of their reporting, I think, and they always come when they decide to go out with something. It seems that they uh, only go out with stuff that they are very sure of, uh, at least at the moment. And they say, and they bolded this. This was an article from uh, one of their writers. Um, they bolded this part. We've learned that Cersei's way of dealing with the debt will have sub substantial ramifications on the story so whatever that means i really hope that like um she just like her new thing is just to burn everyone (laughs) (laughs) she's like yeah yeah i'm gonna get right on that meanwhile can you go into that room over there Uh, no reason no reason ignore the the green pots of goo it's fine it's fine yeah, I hope she just like burns everyone all the time now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, is if she rebuffs the Iron Bank, as we, I guess, would assume based on the many years that we've known this character, then maybe they will align with uh, someone else that's coming up along. Because the, the Iron Bank does like to play favorites in, uh, in Westerosi election politics. Their bias is showing, so we'll see if they uh, if they switch sides. <laughs> yeah, this, this is definitely partisan. For sure. <laughs> all right, so that's uh, the, I'm sure there's other stuff out there, but that's really all I wanted to talk about today. We we'll, we'll see. I, I feel oh. like so. I let everybody talk about spoilers, like maybe a bad thing for for a good period oh, of time. Oh, Dave's like I was restrained. <laughs> well, the other thing the other thing I want to say is that. Um, the director list was announced and oh. um which we we already know who was directing but but watchers published who's directing which episodes so it's Jeremy Podessa Podessa was uh directing the first one then Mark Millad has two and three and since Mark Millad has been on set for like some of the ambush stuff the the like Greyjoy ambush stuff on the beach and stuff like that we think that that's going to be very early in the season episode two or three uh Matt Shake Shackman who is the Always Sunny in Philadelphia director the like comedy director that they've hired this season he's got episode four and five a lot of people thought he would only have one episode but he's actually directing two and then episode six is alan taylor alan taylor only has one episode um and he did baylor in season one so he's got some experience with doing the penultimate episodes remember episode six this year is going to be like the episode nine so he's got like potentially the big episode and then episode seven is jeremy Pedeswa again so that's interesting. Who was the director that was on set for the Tyrion uh, Gendry Davos stuff? I don't know. You brought that up last week, and I didn't know the answer, so I still don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was one where they were like, and this director was on set for that, and I was like, I think I think I it's Mark Mark Malad and Matt Shackman have been like the ones that have been spotted around the beach stuff, which mm-hmm. is like a Tyrion stuff, and so that could be two, three, four, or five. So we don't know. Okay. Somewhere in the middle, <laughs> early middle, right? So I yeah. feel like those they could just put those two guys on set for everything. Right. And it's like, well, it could be any part of half the season. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. For like Alan Taylor's big episode, they're like, hey, Milad and Shackman, can you go fly over to Spain for a second? Thanks. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. to my knowledge, uh, in everything that I've been following, Alan Taylor has not yet been spotted on set. So let's just assume that that whole episode is going to be inside somewhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> inside the Bank of Bravos. Inside the Bank of Bravos. Yes. Dave, there's hope. A, a bottle episode for Dave. <laughs> All right, Let's cool. go over the books in long form. Long <laughs> scroll unrolls. Or it's inside Dave's- the uh, the Maester Citadel in Old Town. Yep, I just settled in with my mead. It's just a just everything a, will be fine. What's it? Well, who's the guy who's playing the Maester? The uh, uh, Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. So it's just yeah. like a whole Jim Broadbent episode. It'll be great. Be fantastic. Nice. Anyway, guys, you know, every time we say Jim Robbins' name three times, we have to take an ad break, so let's do that. Guys, apparently the way we use all of our technology are going to bring out our horrible human flaws and set us against each other, at least if I learned anything from season three of Black Mirror, it was that. Um, I know we talked a little bit with Joanna on Fighting in the War Room, this other podcast, about Nosedive that kicked off uh, this series, but... Series 3 of Black Mirror is a whopping six episodes, which is as much as Series 1 and 2 uh, for when it aired in the UK a year apart. We kind of got them in a chunk uh, when Black Mirror sort of hit stateside. And uh, through word of mouth, 
I think most of us here, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I got turned on through Black Mirror when somebody said you have to watch this episode called The National Anthem. It's the first episode. Uh, if you don't get how fucked up and in an awesome way this series is, uh, then you don't have to watch the rest. But I did, and then immediately watched the rest. Uh, Neil, how did you end up on the Black Mirror train? Um, it's it's funny because I felt like um, before I watched any of Black Mirror, a lot of people had told me that they did not like the national anthem, which, oh, interesting. you know, because the, the subject matter is uh, <clears throat> gross, I guess. Because that's the one with the pig, right? Yes. Okay. The prime minister has to have sex with the pig. So uh, I think I actually started watching... Um, I'm not going to admit to doing anything illegal, but I, I found yes. Black Mirror before uh, it came to Netflix. I uh, also did somehow, so stumbled across just it stumbled somewhere. stumbled upon it yeah. uh, in some way, because it was actually very hard to find back in, even like 2014, uh, it was, it was kind of tough to find, but I had, uh, it was, I believe it was a Game of Thrones ish connection where I was sort of going through different shows that I wanted to watch that that were had a lot of people that I was interested in and, and somebody recommended Black Mirror and I started with Be Right Back, the one with Haley Atwell and Domino Gleason, and uh watched series two, then went back and found series one, then watched the White Christmas Christmas special, which I think might be my favorite episode because it's truly messed up. And uh, I think just hooked me about Black Mirror is not even necessarily the um, the technological aspect of it. Like, I, I do enjoy futurism, especially, like, near-futurism. But what I love about it is kind of the narrative structure of the first 30 minutes of every episode, you spend asking yourself, like, what the hell am I watching? And then the last 30 <laughs> minutes of the episode, you find yourself, you find it kind of unraveling and unfolding in clever ways. And I, I feel like even it's some of its lesser episodes still do that. And it, it always struck me as a great example of how to make, how to use twist storytelling in a way that feels like it has more substance than just like tacking on something at the end. That is a twist. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I've been into it since since about since probably about a year after series two premiered, and I, I slowly but surely collected all the episodes from various sources. Yeah, I um, I also I do this thing periodically where I ask my like British followers on Twitter like, what British show do I not know about yet that I should know about? And they were all banging on about Black Mirror for a long time before it came here. Um, so thank you, British followers for keeping me hip to this <laughs> stuff um and so yeah so i watched the first two seasons um i i think the first two seasons are really hit and miss and for me the pig fucking one is not a highlight even though i really like um oh shoot rory last canary yeah, yeah yeah um he's a genius and he played the prime minister and um so there are parts of it I like. It's not nearly as bad as the the Waldo thing that was um, the Waldo in, uh, moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pull up. <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst one. <laughs> I'm gonna pull up these episode titles so I stop like um, just making them up. But um, I will say that my favorite, um, the entire history of you, which is the Toby Kebbell memory one, and Be Right Back, which is Donald Gleason and Haley Atwell, are amazing. But I think the one that stuck with me most was 15 Million Merits, uh, which is got Jessica Brown-Finley from Downton Abbey and Daniel Kalua. I don't know if I pronounce his last name appropriately, um, but that's the one where they're like stuck in this thing and they get Merits and then there's like a talent show and it's just like, it's awful and harrowing and and... <laughs> The, and like one of the things, of course, that Black Mirror shows us is the way that which the technology we're already familiar with could become even more integral to us and then backfire in a terrible way. And like the way in which whenever there's like an ad I can't close on that, that I just endure on the internet, I think of poor Daniel Kaluuya like in his room with the walls, like the fully digitized mm -hmm. walls with all the ads for like porn that he can't close because he doesn't have enough merits to close them. And it's just like uh, awful, 
awful, awful. And I'm just like, I could see us getting there. We're like, we're, we're becoming so conditioned to be like, oh yeah, okay, I, I'm going to watch this ad autoplay in front of this YouTube video, whatever. It's fine. But like eventually, or, or like while I'm pumping gas, I have to watch like Jimmy Fallon, whatever. But like eventually, is that going to be everywhere? And that's exactly what Black Mirror wants to do is be like, eventually is this technology going to be everywhere and then do something terrible for you? So, um, so yeah. And then, um, yeah, so that's my experience with seasons one and two. And, um, it's also what I really loved about it was it was a, it was a really good way to explore British talent. That was like the exact kind of level that I like exploring because this is like, I think this is before Haley Atwell was like really Agent Carter or like maybe after she was first Agent Carter before she was like, whatever. It was before Donald Gleason sort of like exploded. Um, they tend to cast people who are sort of like up and coming the way that like the British Miss Marple and Poirot does as well. And, you know, it's just a treat to go back and watch these people do um, these episodes. And, and it's something I kind of object to the new season. I feel like the faces are just a little bit more starry and familiar. This started with John Hamm. Um, but this, this has to do with like my question about the Americanization, the Netflixization of Black Mirror since Netflix is now like co-producing. There's a bigger budget. Uh, there are slightly bigger names attached, that sort of thing. So whether that's to the benefit or the detriment, we can decide, but I, in my hipster snobby way, miss when I watch Black Mirror, yeah, I'll say it bootlegged from, from England, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know? So yeah. What do you think, Dave? Uh, I mean, for me, the Netflixization of series three or however we're going to put it is a step in the correct direction because not that I don't love the British method of uh, television and how it can, I think, really empower a storyteller like Charlie Brooker, who is, you know, has writing credits of all of the episodes, at least partial writing credits or story by credits, uh, in the case of Nosedive. Um, but considering it's coming from one writer and it's not necessarily like a room, I think that giving it the latitude of an anthology series to do more and not necessarily do things much differently, but just more, I think allows for a greater freedom of variance. So it's kind of like with American Horror Story, I feel like an anthology series, if it is about, you know, finding these performances or chewing on these ideas should have some, some latitude to be bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. 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 Of course. Of course. (laughs) Everything should have latitude to be bad. (laughs) And I think that like for something like, ending series two on the Waldo moment and that being like the last thing that you have to have for a while is like, uh, uh, and so it was nice to have, you know, six whole episodes this time to digest and not any of them necessarily as bad as that one. So even if there was a pit in my stomach, it was usually because a particular episode of series three ended in a way that was supposed to give me a pit in my stomach and I had to like pause before going on to the next one. But then it like reverses in something like, San Junipero where it's like super happy at the end of it and for once you know technology kind of works out for everybody and everybody's cute and well performed so I'm kind of if you're an optimist I was told uh on uh on Twitter that I uh should shouldn't uh be so quick to proclaim San Junipero as positive uh because it's basically the this idea that you um are basic you're you're giving up whatever whatever belief structure you have of a soul you're giving that up in in some sort of clone digital form and that's there's there's a little darkness in there if you pull it apart but i think there definitely is like especially when you get to i mean like you know these two are living happily ever after together in theory but what if they break up you know then it is you know um, because they're ba- we're basing their like quote unquote soulmate status on whatever on like what three encounters four something like that, mm-hmm. um, and then you know so she's making so so uh, you know let's just talk about it right Gugu Mbatha the Raw's character uh, and people hate when I use actors names so let's say the black half of this couple uh, <laughs> she because I don't know her character's name she's 
she's choosing to give up her, yeah, her her belief in a possible afterlife, her her uh, attachment to mortality. Oh, her you name know, is Yorkie. Yorkie to be with this. To <laughs> oh be no, this, wait, no, Yorkie's Yorkie's, Yorkie's yeah. Mackenzie Davis. Kelly yeah. is the other one. Sorry. Kelly. So Kelly uh, Kapowski. No, Kelly <laughs> is giving up her like whatever to be with this woman who she's hung out with four times, and like I, I believe that they'll be together for a while, maybe forever. But if they break up, then is one of them gonna have to like go find her thrills in that like horror warehouse place where like people were just like dead inside and and uh, you know like i do think that there is darkness yeah i guess it raises more questions as to like what how expansive is the internal workings of san junipero the city like is there can you drive outside the city is it a whole world that's built up um you know i i think to me like if it's like if it's a clone of like different worlds it's almost like if there's a bunch of west worlds inside this uh afterlife simulator then i don't know i'd stay there and even if i broke up with my soulmate i would go find other things to do but i'm a pragmatist so who knows yeah i think it's the pragmatism thing because like you're like well they you know gave up their belief in a soul to like embrace electronics and i'm like i feel like i did that five years ago <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm an atheist, right? So I don't believe in an afterlife. But 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 even if I don't believe in an afterlife, I believe in mortality, and I believe that mortality means that the life we live means more, right? Like we we all can see that that the fact that it ends eventually means that the life you're living is more important. Um, and to a future where you live forever as your youngest, cutest self and, you know, is, I don't know, questionable. But that being said, I'd totally I, do it. I'd go to the 90s decade every single, <laughs> every <laughs> sure. single I mean, time. <laughs> aren't we just talking about a tech heaven? You're like, if, if you had the option to live in any time period you want as your young, attractive self for eternity, would you do it? Mm-hmm. Like, are we just talking about a consequence-free heaven? So why not yeah. embrace that if it's if it's in your if it's in your want? But what if some of it, what if the power goes out? I guess is the big question. Well, then it's just like I don't know, <laughs> like you died anyway, right? <laughs> I had a lot of questions at the end of this because <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, I want to do that," but then I I. The, the analytical part of my brain fired up and was like, wait, but like, what if someone turns it off? Or like, what if the funding gets cut to this project? Or like, what if, what if, yeah, what if there's a nuclear winter in the real world? Um, so lots of questions. I have a, I have a weird nitpicky question. Well, first I will say a positive thing about San Junipero, which was not actually my favorite episode season, but like the positive thing I will say, and this I have to say, because I am (laughs) your resident social justice warrior, uh, is, uh, a lot of people are pointing out that it's rare these days to have a lesbian love story that ends happily. And that's true. Mm. Uh, you know, there was a big controversy this last year over shows like The 100 and The Walking Dead and for like falling into this trope that I had sort of hoped was over, which was sort of like the lesbian um, kill the lesbians gay, once they doomed. find happening. <laughs> yeah. If you're a lesbian and you get happily into a relationship, you're super dead. Uh, so that is a trope on TV and film and an unfortunate one. And uh, San Junipero does not play into it. So that's... I will say that uh, I also felt uh, this episode is a good example of... It kind of goes against... Like, I understand what you're saying about, like, when you watch the previous seasons of the show, it was nice to to be able to discover talent that was sort of undiscovered to a great... uh, uh, You know, to a certain extent. But um, I feel like there are a lot of... Especially in the filmmaking talent that we saw and then, but also some of the actors, like there were a lot of actors in this that I don't get to see enough of that was, it was kind of nice. Like you don't get to see them do enough interesting projects or you want to see them do more like Mackenzie Davis is a really good example. Cause all very few people seem to watch halt and catch fire. And she's really great on that. Felt the same way about Wyatt Russell. It does still feel like there are less um, but there are pockets of 
talented people in this that should be doing more and bigger things. And um, I felt the same way about Faye Marseille as well. It's like, man, I don't see Faye Marseille in enough stuff uh, outside of... Uh, there are still people since this is a game of thrones podcast originally like there are still people who don't know that that is Faye marseille in that episode it took me a never minute seen i'll her. be honest they've never seen her with long hair uh well, we're but... talking about blue and hated in the nation right in case people were still yes yes not on board <laughs> sorry yeah so she's in the last episode and Faye marseille of course played the waif and the a lot of people didn't the Waifinator and a lot of people didn't really like her character, but like it, it distressed me because I think Faye Marseille is so charming. She was in the movie Pride. She's so good. She was in a great episode of Doctor Who. Nope. That's not true. That episode wasn't great. She was great in it. And, uh, <laughs> and she's pretty good in this. Like she's got less to do in this, but like her character is sort of a little one note, but, and that, that episode also, I think has a happy ending. Um, it took me right? a minute until there is. Well, despite uh, the fact that they okay. killed off like despite a third 30, of the population, yeah. <laughs> like hundreds of thousands of people died. Um, but I did think it, it was funny. I didn't realize that that was Faye Marseille until there was a running scene. <laughs> so and I was like, oh, my God, that's she's doing the wave run. And then that's I felt really bad funny. because I should have known that because I know I know who Faye Marseille is. Um I would say, I know we're kind of jumping around, uh, but I want to talk about this episode a little bit. Uh, yeah, super dark. Not, not, I don't know if I would say positive. It worked out well for like, well, I guess justice is done at the end of uh, Hated in the Nation. But I talked to a lot of people who didn't like this one, I think because of the bees thing. Like they thought there was a certain implausibility to like bees. Like, why didn't somebody just put on a helmet? It's like, come on, man. Like if that's your <laughs> if that's your one little nitpick, um, but man, I really th- this was a a really great uh, little actor showcase. There's just some great performances in this in this one. Yeah, I liked it because it was a procedural. I unfortunately called the bees because there's a drift shot to an open window in the first kill, and I'm like, oh goddamn it, it's those robot yeah. bees because everything else was normal, and I knew I was watching Black Mirror at this point. But that being said, yeah, it's like a character piece, you know, having, I mean, I don't like Brave, but I don't mind Kelly McDonald's and Benedict Wong popping up also great. But yeah, I mean, it was more an exercise in uh, plotting and how they're going to pull it along, which I've been watching, you know, Elementary's new season. It sort of felt like Hated in the Nation sort of went to an elementary place. And then, of course, Killer Killer Robot Bees would be an arrow plot line and then i think killer <laughs> robot true. butterflies were a season one fringe plot line so i was i was primed for the the killer robot stuff i just think that when it came to beyond plotting like a procedural uh like having like a central killer uh i think muddied the issue of the whole hashtag death to movement uh so it's like you know there was enough blame to spread around to everybody but then it sort of came back to crazy james bond villain type of person yeah mm-hmm. i pr- i preferred it when it was like you know more examining the sort of john ronson shame uh aspect of social media and i like what i sort of had the idea of and sort of wish it were is somehow like the proliferation of tweets was like the tweets themselves were messing with the programming rather than a person was like controlling this exactly what dave says like i wish it were just like somehow directly pegged to our actions as humans and what like we were the typing bees on the are internet. Learning. Yeah. The bees are just like misinterpreting this as an actual command somehow. Um, I don't know, but I will say that like when they were in that farmhouse and the bees were coming in from like all angles and they're trying to stop up the gaps and stuff like that, I thought that was genuinely good television. I agree with you. That's, that's, it's definitely an arrow plot line, but, <laughs> but <laughs> well, with I mean, Kelly McDonald that, instead. So that you know. cabin plug up the things is an X-Files plot line where they cut into the trees with the green glowing bugs that they have to keep it. It's, it's, it's a plot line that's done a lot. They construct it well in this good way with, but like Neil said, it's like an actor's showcase that didn't didn't hit as my favorite of the season, but I liked it. Actually, there's mm. not one I didn't like, except, I don't know, something about Playtest and Men Against Fire. I hated Men Against sort of Fire. We should talk about Men Against Fire. Let's do it. <laughs> Neil, what do you want to talk about with Men Against Fire? This is the well, episode it's... where the soldiers have 
uh, implants that make them see enemy combatants as monsters. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because um, we, Joanna and I had talked about this before I sat down to watch them, uh, to watch the screeners, and uh, I was kind of asking her about them, and this was the one where she's like, nope. And uh, I don't remember, Joanna, did you did you watch the whole thing? Or was this yeah, the one that you were I like, nope, I it. turned it off? <laughs> I, well, I did turn it off, and then you and then you like tweeted something about like Men in Fire Men Against Fire has a cool twist. Watch it. So that I watched like not to me, but just to the general world. And then I watched it and I was like, Yeah, that's sorry. This is gonna be rude. <laughs> that's the twist I thought it was gonna be, but I wasn't interested. <laughs> So I, I still thought, hated it, well, but I did finish it on I, your recommendation. I, yeah. based on our conversation beforehand, I was convinced. I, I went into it being like, "Great, here, here's the dud," and yeah. I guess that allowed me to be pleasantly surprised by uh, the not surprised by the twist, but like pleasantly surprised that the twist was at least somewhat clever in that episode <laughs> because it's it is a grading kind of episode where it's is about mostly bad people and it is they're killing monsters and you you sort of feel i do think the one thing i'm of two minds on this with black mirror one it is great to be able to sit down and watch a a season of television with six completely new stories that i really didn't uh, know what to expect going in um, but two, you're you, you're looking for the turn at at all times. Mm-hmm. So the idea that there was something wrong, something amiss with them killing these roaches, quote unquote, um, you, I kind of felt like, oh man, this is like an ethnic cleansing thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, especially since it was like taking place in like Eastern Europe or something, yeah, like that, right? Like that gives you the ethnic cleansing vibe because it felt the, like Romani or whatever. So yeah, and it's it's <laughs> one thing that uh, that Black Mirror does not seem to do is, uh, you know, it's a sci-fi show, but it it's never done like monsters, right? right? Yeah, it's always humans are always responsible for this. Right. So when it was like it was basically vampires for the first thirty minutes, and I was like, "There, it's not going to be vampires." Probably not. Yeah. Right. Like at at worst, I guess it might have been like a twenty-eight days later thing where it was like a vaccine gone wrong. But um, yeah, it makes sense. (laughs) I guess it it was. It's it's not the best episode of the season. I think. Um, it does I will still have something I the, to say. I thought the ending was pretty poignant. Mm-hmm. Um, like the very, very end, like the last scene. And um, Maliki Kirby played the lead. He was like he he was in the Roots uh, reboot that they did earlier this year, and he was so good in that. So like, uh, I find watching him generally entrancing mm-hmm. but uh like there was just too much i don't know it was just too much like i think a lot of it also had it had like playtest it had a video game aesthetic that i was just sort of like oh i'm not here for this you know it had like this first <laughs> first person shooter stuff going on that just doesn't really work for me and, you know and charlie brooker who is the showrunner uh w- like used to work in video games like video games really do inform a lot of his storytelling in black mirror and like that's true also of like 50 million credits like the the one that i really liked but with stuff like playtest which which i didn't love and even though we love dan trachtenberg and um and this one men against fire like didn't didn't really work for me um my favorite by far was nosedive uh, I like, I just thought that episode was huge. And like, it's interesting. We talked about it on fighting in the war room two weeks ago. Uh, and at the time I was the only woman on that podcast who had seen it. Katie hadn't seen it yet. Then Katie watched it subsequently and also just loved it so much. <laughs> and I, the idea that I brought up on, on the episode, because I was talking about it with David or like and Matt patches and, and Dave was pretty quiet, but, but there, um, was Good that job, in Dave. my, I just always want you to talk more on Funny the Worm. Um, because I think you're interesting. Um, the, the, I think there might be a gendered thing associated with Nosedive, honestly. Rashida Jones is one of the, like, Michael Schur and Rashida Jones wrote it, and, um, Joe Wright directed it. And I really do think that while all of us are guilty of placing too much value on, or perhaps presenting a false front on social media, I think for women, there's just something a, a little extra that goes with that notion of p- 
putting on a public face and being judged by appearance. And, um, yeah, so Katie and I, so I've got at least one woman corroborating me on this. Katie Rich <laughs> is like obsessed with that episode as obsessed as I am. I think Bryce Dallas Howard is incredible. Um, she, uh, I got to interview her about it. That's up on vanitycare.com if you want to read it. And, which was a crazy interview. Like she told me about the time that Lars von Trier threw a water bottle at her on the set of Mandalay, trying to get her to get angry and how she's always had trouble getting angry in her roles and how when it's comedy, for some reason it's easier. And that's what Nosedive presented for her and how it was like this huge cathartic thing to do this big angry meltdown, which she does. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I have my questions about the season, but the fact that it gave me nosedive, which to me is like maybe the best Black Mirror episode I've ever seen, um, it, that's a big plus. So I'm trying to run the experiment with my girlfriend, who the Black Mirror is not her thing, but Joe Wright is her thing, and I have a feeling like this episode might be a la carte something that she could enjoy with Black Mirror. I've been trying really hard, and I've been trying to sell it to her without giving stuff away. But I've been unsuccessful. But I'm going to endeavor forward. We, we believe in I think you. you're onto something. Thank you. I, I also, you know, and that's an impression that I got of Nosedive when I watched it as well. Uh, not as a female, obviously, but as someone who just, I, I have a, an intimate-ish understanding of how women interact on social media and how their social media experience is very different than mine in a lot of ways. And um, I think it's something that is this. It's funny. I went through all six episodes and I was like, all right, what's the most socially relevant one? And I almost feel like nosedive is that one, you know, we've been in this uh, election in the United States and (laughs) you see a lot of the, uh, criticism uh, of the female candidate in the race of being guarded, of of being uh, of smiling too much or not smiling enough, right? Or or someone who has a public opinion and a private opinion and a, and yeah. has to put on a public face versus the man who can just tell it like it is and everybody loves him. I think that nosedive actually speaks to that more than any of the uh, sort of direct parody i've seen of the election where it's like you know the or even of the waldo moment which is a ton closer now that the anthony weiner thing right like syncs up to the 15 year old girl thing yeah um i i think that they really kind of nailed thematically this this idea of also just social media and the way that we judge people the way that we the way that we recalibrate people's worth based on social media in in a lot of ways and i think that is it's extremely it's an extremely dangerous thing to do but it's an easy trap to fall into so um i thought yeah i think nosedive is probably the uh the mo- the the episode of this season that has the most to say i i wouldn't necessarily class it a, classify it as the most messed up it's definitely the most fun and yeah. you can so you're, you're yeah. ultimately rooting for her about two thirds of the way through the episode. You're rooting for the meltdown. You're just like, I just oh, want to yeah. see her um, lay down some F bombs and be happy. Like I want to yes. see her realize that she doesn't need uh, to be happy to have 4.9 stars to be happy. Yes. So you're, yeah, you're rooting for her to be free all the while. You're like, how many, how many likes did I get on this photo? I put on Instagram today. Like, right. <laughs> or, or like, um, you know, as Katie pointed out, for her, the moment that the episode really clicked was the, like, basically when she gets in the cab and rates the guy. And, like, we already do that with Uber. Right. right. Like, that's already <laughs> a thing that exists. So, um, I give every Uber driver five stars. I just do. Yeah, I do, too. I do think that it's funny. There's a South Park episode. The the Yelp review South Park episode is what yeah. this reminded me of. Because it it brings out the potentially brings out the worst in people, you know. Like if you have a bad experience, which and I think my my views on this are always skewed by my many many years working in the service industry. Uh, your it depends on your level of empathy for the person that is helping you. 
you know, like your level of empathy <laughs> for someone who's trying to earn a living driving for Uber or someone who, you know, works at uh, the uh, customer service desk at a Best Buy or something like that. You, if you have empathy for people like that, you're never going to like get on Yelp or take a customer survey and just, just twist the knife. But there are yeah. people that do that all the time. And I think this sort of brings out the sadistic qualities that, uh, that exist very prominently in, in a lot of people that only come out in those specific situations where they're like, man, I really need to stick it to this Uber driver to make myself feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I so just can't gross. do it. So. I know. Like, and I over tip for that same reason mm-hmm. all the time. Um, Man, you guys are really nice. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've written long blog posts about people that I feel wrong to be in business <laughs> senses. And like, that's totally, I guess the, for, for me though, the danger that nosedive presents is treating everybody's opinion as if it has the same weight or yeah. putting an artificial system in place to pretend like that, uh, you know, like, respect and empathy shouldn't be the basis on how much you value somebody's opinion. So in that sense, I think it really connects to this year's crazy American election cycle in the sense that like, you know, there are people that are able to have educated opinions about both sides. And there are people that are able to yell about both sides and you could take it all in, but I think weighting them all the same is a mistake. Mm hmm. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I hadn't even really thought about that. That's, that's so true. And, and so then you just feel trapped in this prison of like having to be nice to ever. I mean, like the, actually the scene that drove me the craziest was the airport scene. Like that mm-hmm. lady at the airport desk is like my number one enemy because <laughs> like Bryce wasn't even like, we've all had terrible things happen at the airport and we've all had like the person at the desk whose job it is to just sort of like, pivot and like i'm sorry but you know and pivot and you're like oh my god but i've been in this airport for 12 hours or whatever um so those frustrations happen but like you need to be able to be like frustrated you can't like it's okay to not be like super rude and crazy about it but like to be frustrated and upset about it is i was just i was so anxious in that scene i was like let her be a human oh my god no she has her brother who knows how yes. to like sarcastically rate her, but she could also be like honest with. And so that's more like, you know, she's weighted that opinion uh, like correctly where it's like, even though he doesn't have to rate her five stars, but she doesn't expect him to rate him five stars or necessarily rate every conversation. It's more like a, a pivot point. Whereas like at the airport, it's like not only all of a sudden that woman has the power to call the security guard to have the penalty put on that starts like the big cliff off where it feels like that should be a multi-person like thing. Yeah. Yeah. Frightening. Technology is horrible. Playtest, however. (laughs) Yeah. Let's pivot to playtest. Let's talk about the Uh, most, the most messed up one of the season. How much, how much better would playtest be if it were Owen Wilson, a young Owen Wilson instead of Wyatt Russell? Oh, that wasn't young Owen Wilson. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I like that. I think that he's like doing like a a millennial dude, which I've always seen like manifested in actual people. So I really quickly was like, oh, that's some guy who grew up watching The Big Lebowski and is now like living what he thinks that is. The I need to go find myself, dude. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But I think Playtest for me was the most uh, Twilight Zone episode in the fact that I kind of wish it just was a Twilight Zone episode. Because uh, I feel like the Black Mirror part had me looking for the level that I was going to be uh, like twisted at the end. And when it became apparent that I was going to have maybe a couple of these reveals uh, behind me, uh, I think I completely detached from the narrative whatsoever. So we spent a little bit of time with the Wyatt Russell character to hear uh, Alzheimer's sob story, which is horrible. But then the episode is so, I guess, into its uh, corporate espionage plot and technology hook and him doing whatever performance that can supposedly withstand this mysterious horror game that all emotional stakes kind of 
got disconnected from me, which is fine because some of the best Twilight Zone episodes are just watching people screw themselves deeper into the ground because they made one bad decision. But I feel like this one could have uh, kept me more in the uh, Alzheimer's headspace instead of dipping at it at the beginning and the end. Yeah, it's... (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I was going to say is um, I... I really don't mean to just be shamelessly plugging my own stuff, but I talked to Dan Trachtenberg about this episode and he said, which you can read about at vanitycare.com. And he said that, uh, the white Russell character originally as they wrote it was actually supposed to be kind of like a guy you're not rooting for at all. And you want him to have a comeuppance mm-hmm. and, uh, but why it was just such like a fun, nice guy. And like, they did a lot of improv that he ended up being a guy that you're kind of, like, I didn't want Wyatt Russell to wind up brain dead, right? And so, I mean, that's complicated because, you know, Black Mirror should be able to um, inflict horrors on good guys. Like, it shouldn't just be bad guys who get horrific endings. But something about that episode just didn't quite track to me. Like, I didn't feel like, yeah, he took a photo that he shouldn't have or whatever, and that's why his phone was on, and that's ultimately why he died. But, like... To me, it didn't quite track that that character winds up brain dead forever. Do you know, like, like from an emotional know. standpoint? Like, it's yeah, a, I don't it, know. It wasn't satisfying, even in a like, oh no, sort of way. Like, I just didn't feel tragically satisfied or pleasingly satisfied by that episode. Yeah, yeah and I think it's it's one of the things that does happen to Black Mirror is that it it will get distracted sometimes by one element of the story, so the the horror game like the realism of trying to like pick out what is real what's not real um you know especially when the girl shows up inside the game and i was like initially i was like oh that's not real and then you know she stabs him or whatever and it looks real and you're like oh maybe this is real and it got too distracted by that and then all of a sudden at the end it's you know it's the how many levels of inception deep are we? And it's, you know, pulling out a dream within a dream, within a dream, within a dream, finally to like, Oh, he's brain dead. Cause, and he's only been under for like, you know, 0.4 milliseconds or whatever. Um, I yeah, and that like, seemed to be like, supposed to be the like, Whoa moment. Like it's only been a few seconds, but like, which I, is, I, I guess scientifically that, that makes a little sense. Cause isn't it like, isn't it that your dreams seem like a long time when you're dreaming, but it's really only a few, you know, moments? Sure. But I mean, like, this this is a plot contrivance, whereas, like, a probing of somebody's psyche would have looked completely different than right. being like, I'm testing this game. This game has a penis spider that has the face of my, like, high school bully, which is is reaching in that direction, but it's not, I think, the ultimate of where that direction could go. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it should have been, like ghost dad or something like that you know like i hate ghost dad plot twists we've talked about this before but like you know his whole trauma has to do with his dad dying right and i know eventually it gets to like a memory loss level of fear but like for me that game instead of a cgi i mean maybe it was just the cg spider that like not enough polygons on it or whatever but like (laughs) um like for me it would have been much more emotionally harrowing to have like a really good conversation between two actors that wound up being very upsetting versus a spider, you know, like, I don't know. I wanted to like this episode. I really did. (laughs) Well, all the video game references I really like that are sort of layered into his psyche. The only one I caught up before having read up on it was the, uh, would you kindly from Bioshock when he's opening the last door and he thinks his mom's going to be in there. Right. Uh, but like that sort of thing is cool. And if that sort of thing was littered more throughout it, and I could go back and revisit this episode as his psyche, I think, in a way that was satisfying, that would be something different. But I don't feel like that's there. But I haven't done a rewatch mm-hmm. yet, so maybe to be continued on, on that one. Yeah. Um, I think that really what what was the most jarring, and it's the most messed up part of the episode, is that last like pullout where it's, you know, he, he goes brain dead. Um I think that that is the blessing. That's that is the curse of the episode. Like it's one level too many, but it's also the thing that most people in the audience will be like, "Oh man, that's so messed up." So I don't know. Right? It's, it's no, hard I to say that they shouldn't have done that. But it, if they didn't, I still would have. I would have enjoyed the episode. 
Just yeah. yeah. I think it was messed up enough that his mom was just like Alzheimer's calling him the whole time. And he wasn't <laughs> oh. picking up. Man, dark. Um, All right. One more, one more episode, yeah. and then we're on our way out. Uh, Shut Up and Dance has Woo. got Joanna Robinson to cover up the cameras on her computers. Yeah. <laughs> true or false? True, true. Um, I already had a camera cover for my desktop because Mr. Robot sent them out as like a promotional thing. So I don't think I would have even known they existed if, if USA hadn't sent one to me in the mail that's branded Mr. Robot. Um, but I got one for my laptop. Because, just because, man, just because that episode. Um, not my favorite episode. Obviously, we've got uh, Braun from uh, Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones is in it. And that's a treat for people. But uh, not my favorite. I thought the reveal was pretty good. I didn't necessarily see the pedophilia twist coming. And uh, you think this kid is like an innocent victim that you're that you're rooting for. And you don't understand why he's doing all this just because of a masturbation video. Um, yeah. So I would say middle of the road for me. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on yeah. that one. It, it really, the first part of the episode didn't track well for me because I was like, wait, really? He's, he's going to go rob a bank because uh, somebody has like a video of him jerking it. Yeah. <laughs> like if that were me, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. Um, but then <laughs> later when I realized that he was looking at like uh, underage porn i was like oh yeah that would be rough um as a thing to do or get caught Mm -hmm. doing so um yeah uh fairly middle of the road i didn't like the little fight club thing i was just i don't know it this one again this one was really nihilistic um about some of the some of black mirror episodes are more nihilistic some of them are less and i feel like i gravitate towards the less nihilistic ones uh you know so it it was okay i don't know jerome flynn that's another actor that i just want to see in more stuff so i'm I'm in for that (laughs) i definitely i definitely dug the performances but as soon as the episode ended i was just like i liked that better when it was called white bear and it was in series two yes yeah (laughs) Yeah. i agree i agree white bear was better oh man it Um, is so much like white bear yeah um yeah, but yeah, I mean, it did do it did do more than any other Black Mirror episode has done, which is make me buy a tech prevention <laughs> thing. So it, yeah. it's the scariest one from a, like a real standpoint. I guess so. I was just sort of like, why don't I have a camera cover? Like, I should, <laughs> I should have one. Yeah. So. so the NSA can't get videos of you podcasting. Yes. Yeah. Get that. Sweet, release sweet. the video of you podcasting. <laughs> Proving you're just a bag of cats. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. I think that was season three, series three. I'm sorry. A Black Mirror. Uh, it's going to be back. I think yeah. it's going to be series back. Series four is coming back in uh, 2017. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's gonna they, be great. I feel like they did, like, actually, it, they did this with the Get Down, too. I think they did, like, a long season that they're splitting, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, so, they're calling it series four, but it's all kind of part of the same right production run yeah so there's six more coming uh next year very exciting yes we will be reconvening for that most definitely neil looking ahead Mm. where are we heading next week next week we're going to the cinematic realms and the sanctum sanctorum of dr strange uh dr strange is in theaters this coming friday so get out there and see it if you want to talk about it we'll obviously talk comics and things like that uh beyond that it is now being rumored uh amongst the people who host this podcast that we may move westworld up so that we can talk westworld spoiler theories probably the week after dr strange but we'll keep you updated next week but for now your assignment heading into next week is to see dr strange and uh dave and joanna do you guys have any dr strange comics that people should read are there any like big ones there is an official prequel comic to the movie which will tell the story about the previous inhabitant of the sanctum santorum before stephen strange shows up if you want to keep it in the mcu um, and if you're if you're listening to this on Wednesday, let's say late Wednesday, uh, there I have an interview with a costume designer for Doctor Strange on Um A lot of beautiful, beautiful robe work in this particular film. So check it out. We'll tweet that from the uh, the thing. Excellent. The, the Twitter thing. 
the Twitter thing. We'll tweet it from the Twitter thing. Let's do it. Tweet it from the Twitter <laughs> thing. Let's tell everybody where our other Twitter things are. Let's start with Joanna. Uh, you can find me uh, at Joe Wrote This, talking about Westworld on Decoding Westworld or on VanityFair.com. And Neil? Uh, you can find me at FilmSchoolRejects.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Rejects. Follow the show on Twitter at Storm of Spoilers. And remember, you can email us if you want to talk Black Mirror or if you want to talk, uh, get, give us your Westworld theories in advance. Uh, Storm of Spoilers at gmail.com. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E, blogging at geek.com, where I've been doing some Batman the Animated Series content because I rewatched all of that and it was awesome. And at Thrillist.com, where I've been doing stuff like the history of Ouija board and uh, scary viral videos. And always the podcast at (laughs) FightingInTheWarRoom.com. So until next week, guys, uh, keep keep it strange out there. And keep your eyes peeled for another Infinity Gem stone. Go. (laughs) The one whom I adore.